Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's up, family? Thank you for tuning in to the Dream Nation podcast. My name is Casanova. I'll be your host, and I'm excited to be bringing to you entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and trailblazers from around the world. Stay locked in with us because we're about to go on a journey that will change your life. What's up, Dream Builder? We are back again, and we have an episode today that, as you know, I'm always excited to bring you these episodes because we talk to some of the biggest and brightest minds in the world, not just the U.S., but in the world, and today is no different. We have someone who is a true inspirationalist, but also a creator at heart. She's done so many things just in brief of looking at her story, and so I'm excited to be able to bring her to each and every one of you today. Please help me in welcoming my friend. Mrs. Maria Brito to the show. Maria, you want to go ahead and say what's up to Dream Nation? What's up, dreamers and Dream Nation? What's up, everybody? Yes. Hello. Hello. It's an honor to have you here. So the I don't know if you've listened to a, a lot of the shows, but the way that we start them off is I like to compare us as entrepreneurs, thought leaders, change makers to superheroes. And the reason being is because we're constantly, we're flying around the world, whether that be live or now even virtually, right? We're showing up in people's living rooms, we're putting on our capes, and we're trying to solve some of the world's biggest problems. And so I know that that's been a mission for you for a very long time. And when I think of superheroes, obviously we think of Superman, we think of Superwoman, but a lot of the times what we can't describe is who is that person behind the scenes when there's no cape on? So who is that Clark Kent? Who is that Lois Lane? And so for a lot of people who've seen you, whether it be on Instagram, YouTube, and seen your articles in Forbes or Huffington Post, whatever it might be, they see you from the outside as a superhero, but they don't know when the cameras are off. Who is that Lois Lane? So please give us an insight into that. Walk us through it. That's an excellent question. And I um, am humbled by that. I, uh, I was born and raised in Venezuela, and I moved to the States in the late 90s to attend Harvard Law School. And I graduated and moved to New York City in year 2000 to practice as a corporate attorney. And I was absolutely miserable for nine years of my life that I dedicated to the practice of corporate law. And uh, what I did is that when I was pregnant with my first child, even though I was already mulling over the idea of really leaving all that behind, it was a catalyst to think about how my modeling was going to affect my child because I was going to be miserable in that job. I was going to do something that I was doing against my true spirit and nature, right? And uh, so when I gave birth to him, I looked at him and said, I can't not do this to you. And uh, three months after, I quit. And so actually, it was a little more. It was about six months. Six months later, I quit that job and I opened my art advisory company, which I have built from scratch. And so I'm a person who actually has, uh, when I put something in my mind, I make it happen. And it's not about superpowers. I think it's about 
aligning yourself with the things that that actually light you up. It's aligning yourself with the things that have a meaning and purpose to you. And when you embrace that as a part of your life mission, things start to roll out, right? And so I'm I'm quite disciplined in the sense of wanting to see my big dreams materialize for purposes of serving. I am a person who likes very much the idea of being of service in an, a broad sense. I like to serve my clients. I like to serve my audience. I like to, I like to give value to people with my ideas and my thoughts. And that can come out of a post on social media or a whole newsletter or a book or a TV series. So it is part of my internal fabric to consider these ideas about empathizing with the others, because I don't think there is any business and there is anything in the world that can actually function without having that human connection and empathizing. So that is a vulnerable part of every human being that we don't necessarily explore that much because we have been trying to cover ourselves so that we don't suffer that much throughout the whole kind of, you know, tumultuous times that, you know, we chose to incarnate on these bodies and come to this world. So it's, um, I think it's a great virtue when you show who you are and why you do your things and what is the, the, the depth of things that move you to wake up every day and face the world. Yeah, no, there's so much to unpack there, especially in your journey. So you came over here. First, let me ask, uh, was it a dream for you to go to Harvard Law School or was that just the, what you felt like was most qualified for your goals at that time? It was not my dream per se. This was something my parents had brainwashed me as a child that I needed to follow a dependable career and I needed to be an engineer or an architect, a doctor or an attorney because they did not have a lot of money. And so they thought that the best way to safeguard my future, if you will, and protect me was for me to have that kind of dependable career that I was going to be, you know, stepping on and sort of like milking for the rest of my life. But they didn't really know me. They didn't know that I was an artist and I really was a performer and a singer and that, you know, those were the dreams of, of being a child who I was going to auditions for school plays and I was always selected and I was, as I got older and things started to get serious and I started to get offers and things like that, then my mom was like, no, we're going to cut all this bullshit out you are not going to do that. That is for prostitutes. So that was really, uh, I was very, very brokenhearted when that happened because even though the whole brainwashing had been going on for years, right, about what career I had to pursue, it was never something that I said to myself, I'm going to do it, like what they say, right? But when when the whole, uh, you know, career as a performer was really, you know, ended by my mom, um, I knew I had to do something else, right? And so the dream was more like, yeah, I think that actually it was a dream to be a student at Harvard and graduate from that 
super incredible place. And especially for someone coming from the depth of the third world, to be honest. So it was an incredible opportunity that I will have with me for the rest of my life, obviously, because nobody can take that away from me. And also I did enjoy it. I made enormous you know, amount of incredible friends. I met a lot of people. I learned a lot. I mean, it's like, wow, right? But it was not where my skills and talents were. It's just that once you do that, you have to actually pay for, you know, like all the things that you need to pay for, right? And so like you need to get the job as an attorney so that you can continue having what you already invested so much time and effort and money in. And so that was the path, right? I mean, you were 23, I was 23 or whatever when I moved to New York or 24. And I just didn't know that I could have anything else that was outside of where I had invested my, you know, previous years, right? And so... The dream wasn't mine, but it ended up to be a very dreamy opportunity. And uh, I'm extraordinarily grateful for that. Yeah. Again, you just, there's so much that they hear that I think a lot of people will want to know. So the first thing that I'm curious about is when you decided you were going to go to Harvard, you knew that your dream had already essentially been stepped on, you know, by your mother telling you these are for prostitutes, but you knew it was in your heart. Do you think that you were like, Hey, I'm going to get to New York? Because if you would have just said, Hey, I want to go to the U S I want to go to, to New York or anywhere on the East coast because I want to become an entertainer. Your parents would have never went for that. So then you said, hey, you know what? This is my opportunity to be able to get there. But in your mind, were you truly going for the pureness of going to Harvard to accomplish that? Or were you going to get out of your current environment, put yourself around bigger minded people? But then you knew that at the end of the day, you were always going to try to get your foot back into the entertainer space. I think I wanted to get out of the current space for sure. It was not a place for me to actually grow as a person. There is a little culture, no culture of meritocracy, for example. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure if you're familiar with what's going on in Venezuela, but it's a country that is in shambles uh, for political reasons. And uh, so when everything started collapsing, that's when I actually, I actually, it, it was a coincidence because it all happened. I left and the country fell in the hands of the communists. So it just started collapsing. But I, um, to answer your question, I think my conscious mind was very clear that I had already taken certain steps to become an attorney, that it was a very prestigious thing and that I needed to milk that opportunity because obviously once you are in a law firm, even at the very beginning, they pay you amazingly well because you spend your life there, basically. You know, they own you. So I knew I was going to have money to pay for everything that I needed. And I knew that that I'm, I'm not sure I knew right there and then that there was going to be an exit for me because it was so new. And what I did is that I had a lot of different jobs in law firms because I was thinking the next one is going to be better and it's going to make me happy and I'm going to be so fulfilled and this one. And it was not the law firms. It was me, right? The problem is that there wasn't mm. a match between the, the career and what my heart wanted and my dreams were for, for sure. And so the, the awakening came when I was so sincere with myself that it was there was no way to hide or to separate what my heart was, you know, kind of like claiming for and, and what I, you know, and what I was doing, which w was absolutely nothing to do with that. And so 
I ended up uh, not being a performer because at that time when I quit the lawyer career, I was 32 or 33. And I was like, you know, I'm also not crazy, right? I mean, I said like, nobody starts at this time. It, it will, it's just doesn't make any sense. And I can go to a karaoke if I need to, right? Or I can sing with my friends, but I am going to do something also sustainable. I had just had a child. I had a mortgage in Manhattan. It's the most expensive city in the world. You know what I mean? It's like, I just couldn't say, well, and let me see if I can now become some sort of cult diva, you know? Like, no, I said, well, what can I do that actually nurtures my soul pays for my bills and allows me to have a career that I can have for the long term and build a business that makes other people happy. But it's all going to be on my terms and with my skills and not something that I learned in law school. Right. And so that's how I transitioned into this this world of, of visual arts and fine arts and and so on. Got now, did you have a mentor in this space? Like, did you know somebody from Harvard or what allowed you to take those first steps? Because just like you said, I mean, it's very scary, especially coming from the income that you were coming from. Right. And living in Manhattan, which, again, I've never lived in New York, but you see the you see the news and things like it's very, very expensive to live in New York anywhere. So what was those those steps that allowed you to have the comfortability to say, hey, you know what? Here's my path to being able to get to where I want to go. I didn't really have a mentor, but I had discussed these ideas with my husband a lot, right? And uh, he obviously was asking me questions like, oh, but, you know, are you sure that you don't have, like, postpartum depression? He wasn't mocking me. He actually was concerned that I was going to make a decision that was not, that I could regret later, for example, right? And so... I had this conversation with him like literally every night. Sometimes I would call him from like my office at the law firm and said, I can't do this. Right. And so um, during that time, I basically what I did is that I started taking all these notes and uh, put myself in this kind of like, you know, self-imposed moments of silence throughout the day to think about what I really wanted to do and how I could have accomplished. And at the beginning, it's a jumble of ideas and nothing really makes a lot of sense, right? Because I had been pondering like my exit for more than a year. And at the beginning, I was like, oh, let me just see if I, I'm going to check the classifieds, right? Like, I mean, that was a time where people would find jobs like a monster, yeah. you know, I don't know, right? So I would go and like, let me see what's going on. Like, what, 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 what kind of thing, you know, it's out there that I could feel that I have a relationship with, right? I mean, that could potentially have. So, so that, not, none of that had any you know, it didn't pan out. I, I, I didn't find anything that I thought it was interesting. And obviously it was going to be a whole going back to like the same thing, corporate America, but with a different type of, you know, name or whatever. So uh, what I, you know, as I kept asking these questions and rem I was going through like two things, first, like this crisis and sec. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.
get pregnant. So it was like a lot for the brain and the body to actually digest at the same time. And so that's why when the baby was born, at least I could utilize the energy to think through these things. And I spoke with my husband and so until the time he said, look, you know, I wrote the business plan and I, and I showed to him not to ask him for approval, but to ask for advice if he thought, you know, this could be something interesting. And he's like, listen, whatever you want to do, you will do. If you really commit and you're passionate about it and I am going to support you in this journey, you have, I mean, I have, I have had like, you know, I had my savings, I have 401k and whatnot. And, uh, and, and the initial capital was very small because it was just having a website and hiring somebody for communications and having, you know, a photographer who helped me. In, so it wasn't really a big amount of capital from the beginning. The, the capital was actually the energy and the intellectual capital and emotional capital that I had to put into this, right? Because I not only had to start something from the scratch, a, a business, a company from scratch, but I also had to build the relationships from scratch and learn the business, the new completely different business from the get-go. So it was run a business, become your CEO, and also learn this new industry that you are getting into. So it was a bunch of very tall order challenges that I imposed on myself, but I knew that there was no plan B. And when you do not have a plan B and you also have a baby who's crying and you have, you know, a mortgage and you have, even though as a, you know, I have my husband, we needed both of us to actually, you know, come forward. I said, there is no plan B. This is going to work out. And, uh, and I, and it did. That was 13 years ago. Wow. So in the beginning, when you say you wrote your business plan, was this about being a art consultant or what this was? Was it that business or was there a different business before this? It, that was the center of the business. The center of the business was always incorporating art into people's lives in a variety of ways, whether it is their offices, their homes, uh, you know, understanding how to collect, understanding what is, you know, how to diversify assets through art. So that was always there, but it had a lot of different variations because at some point I got very excited. And so I was helping people with design and art at yeah, the same time. And it was, ask, yeah, but yeah. that was way too much. It was not, I mean, it was a business that actually gave a lot of money, but it also gave a lot of headaches. And I was, was like, no, I left a law firm so that I could have something. Yes, you're, as an entrepreneur and business owner, you're always going to have headaches, but I wanted to minimize them. And so I said, this is not really the amount of pleasure this is giving me is relative to the amount of headaches. So you've got to go, right? So I cut that off, but it takes time. When you open a business, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to take turns. You're going to adjust to current conditions. You're going to pivot and shift. And one of the things that I did from the get-go that was the most brilliant thing I did is that nobody in the space was blogging or using Twitter or Facebook, which were the only social media networks available at the time. And the people who did the job as an art advisor or consultant were very, very buttoned up and they were very transactional. And it was also like, okay, so they had these clients, but they really didn't curate the collections inside of their houses or they didn't really want to like expand to 
teach others their knowledge and democratize the art world and, you know, bring the imagery out or create, you know, a forum, a community. So nobody was doing that. Nobody. I was the first person to do this type of thing. I was the first one to blog about artists. I would go to the artist studio and blog. And at the time, what existed was WordPress and Blogger. That was it. There was nothing, no Squarespace, none of these fancy fabulosities that exist at the time. So I was the first person to do that. And when I started getting the feedback from the gallery owners and the artists themselves, who were big artists, right? And so it was like Michaeline Thomas and, you know, Kenny Scharf and things like that. People who have had, you know, extraordinary careers in the arts. And I said, okay, if these people are liking what I am writing and I am kind of like an, an outsider, if you will, it means this is, it's really ripe the space of, of community through technology and opening up spaces for people to actually understand and not just be like, oh, this is just for the rich. No, actually, it, it just can't, you know, that that's not how it is anyway. And it, it like people can collect art at any levels, but the point is that nobody, nobody was doing that. There were no websites about art, like there are a thousand now, and that they sell art, they have content, they have podcasts. None of that existed. Zero. Okay. So again, so much. This this is a phenomenal, phenomenal um, conversation because I think that a lot of people right now, with the emergence of NFTs and art and and things like that, digitalized art, so many people are interested, but they don't understand it, right? And so I think the first question that that I'm curious about is, as you you already essentially knew how to be a consultant because you were an attorney, yeah. But like as you wrote your business plan to figure out, is this something that I can sustain? How were you able to reverse engineer your pricing? Like, were you going off of how much you were paid as an attorney? And then you said, okay, so here's my hourly worth. So then I just, if I can still keep this hourly worth, that means that I need to go find X amount of clients to pay me this. Or what did that look like for you in terms of how did you know how much money you could make? It was a combination of what you just said. I had to see if I could price myself a little lower than people who were doing the job that I was doing because I couldn't price myself as an attorney who had nine years of experience because that's like, you know, law firms also like you know, they charge 500 bucks an hour, right? I mean, that it didn't come directly to me. I was a salary attorney with a bonus. But so I had to see what people were charging. And I said, okay, well, if I can charge 10% less or 20% less, and I have, I'm going to serve them 10 times more because that's the other thing, right? Like I had this idea of service and how do you kind of like over deliver all the time? That was always kind of my, 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 my frame. My, the way I was thinking is I'm going to beat the competitors because I'm going to be better. I'm nimble, right? Because I don't have 50,000 people like under me, right? And um, I'm just really going to be so passionate about this. And so that was one of the things that I did. Did that help you get in the door? Yes, it worked. It worked because I needed the clientele to tell other people, right? And so I needed to start. And uh, at the same time, there is also when... um, the, the a lot of the art transactions are based on commission, like a real estate broker, right? So those commissions are actually standard for everybody. So it's uh, it's usually a ten percent. It depends. It could be anywhere from ten to twenty. It's it it just varies really dramatically. So that was kind of like 
an easy thing because I was like, and I have access, right? And I see, here's the thing. When people are considering making a change of careers and they are afraid or they want to start a business in an area where they absolutely have no experience with, that is usually the wrong thinking that you think I have no experience there. I mean, unless you want to be a surgeon, then absolutely not, right? Like, I mean, that's not something that anybody right. can do suddenly. But um, the, if you're thinking about uh, switching careers and people are like, I, but I can't because I have no experience. Actually, the opposite is true. When you are an outsider, you do have an, an, a vision and a, an ability to grasp things that people who have been for too long in that type of industry or, or you know, area, they have developed so many blind spots because they already know how to do things so well that they get comfortable, right? And so the more you do the same thing, the more of an expert you become and the more information you get from that industry that actually, it's obviously important. You want experts, but also those experts start missing the things because they are so good and they are also busy and they are not as curious as they used to be at some point. So that was actually my, one part of my saving grace was that since I was an outsider, I came in with a very fresh approach to things and the, the, the art dealers that, you know, allowed me to get the work because that's the thing, right? Like it's a lot of doors that you have to open until you get to the artwork to sell to your clients. So these art dealers were so uh, receptive of these ideas that I had of democratizing, of blogging, of, you know, putting it on, you know, social media and boosting. And, and they were like, wow, so far, nobody has done this. Right. I mean, this so girl. Would you, and I'm so sorry, to cut, but just no, so I don't forget. So would you say that this became a, cause you have a very vibrant personality. You have a very driver type personality too, that you could clearly see if I set my mind to it, if I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And I would imagine, because again, I've never been really involved in this art world, at least not as of yet, but I would imagine that it is just like you said, it's kind of for the lifestyle of the rich and the famous. And it's more clicky, right? Think of the commercial world or the high end luxury real estate world, because I'm involved in that and I know it, but it takes time. Time to break through those doors for you was it because you differentiated yourself so much that you were able to break through because it feels especially being a woman a woman in new york city you know you would think that people would count you out she's not from here she doesn't know she doesn't have those connections she's just an attorney did you experience that or or you got no, lucky no i got i don't nobody's lucky you know you make your own luck actually right very true what I did is that I studied everything like crazy, right? I mean, I had a very, very like limited amount of time to learn about these things, right? But I prepared myself before I shook any hand to say, well, you know, I've been following your career or I've been following your career of your artist or I'm, you know, and so there was like literally, first of all, honesty on my part. I wasn't lying, right? Second, I was fresh. And third, I had great ideas. But the truth is like, I didn't have any connections. I didn't like the clients that I had when I wasn't a attorney belonged to the firm. There were mostly uh, bankers and Wall Street people who did, they, those people are not my, I have a ton of Wall Street clients, but they are not those people, right? right. And so what I did is like, I leveraged the, uh, the power of an incipient trend, which was social media, right? And that helped people notice me. And at the same time, it built my education because I was writing and I was, you know, photographing these people and I was coming up with so many ideas. Right. And that actually is some of the things that 
being an attorney helped me is that I was a really good writer. And so being able to put my thoughts together in a piece of paper already given me a leg up because I knew how to do that. And I was getting better at it because at the beginning it was very dry and boring, you know, like a lawyer and whatnot. And it became more human and interesting as the time went by, right? And I was a hustler. I was like, okay, you know what? Email, let me email Forbes to see if they need something. Let me email Huffington Post to see if they publish my story. Let me, and so it was this, you know, actually when they call it beginner's luck, it's because people come into situations with no preconceived notions of what's going to happen. If you have had a lot of failures or a lot of, you know, problems or a lot of, you know, setbacks or have found a lot of bumps on a road, you know, it takes a lot of courage to, you know, pick up yourself again and forget about all that crap, right? I mean, you have to kind of like, but but usually what stays in the mind of human beings, unfortunately, is all the failures, right? And so in my case, I ha- had none because I, I, I was just a completely new person in this thing. I was a completely new person as an entrepreneur. I was a completely new person trying to get media. And I was like, okay, you know, let me see if I email the woman at Forbes to see if she says yes. Let me see if I email the woman at, you know, L and she says yes. And people say yes, right? I mean, it's, that's the thing. It's, um, there, there was not, you know, like a lot of, uh, uh, a lock here. It was obviously a different time where things were not as saturated, right? Because now there is, people are overwhelmed by the amount of things they have to do, but the amount of information that comes through their phones every day. I mean, listen, at the time there were no smartphones. That's how old I am. And this business is right. Like I literally started 13 years ago. I had a BlackBerry the exact same time I opened the business is when the iPhone came out and I had like to part with, with my BlackBerry, right? Because the future was in the iPhone and thank God. Right. I mean, and so the, the, um, culture of snapping images and beautiful images did not exist. None of these things existed. You wouldn't get all these feeds of information on the phone, right? And so people had a different kind of like space in their minds because they were not as overwhelmed. And I was able to connect with those people by sending a very direct and also very, you know, sincere and polite email, right? I mean, remember that I was in the in the mentality and continue to be in the mentality of service, which is what a lot of people usually get wrong. It's like, they think, what can I get out of this person instead of what can I give, right? right. I was providing great content and an outsider insider point of view, you know, and so that actually caught the attention of people who started opening the doors for me. That's so phenomenal. So many nuggets in there. And it always brings me back as cliche as it is. But for anybody who's not heard or seen before, it's the Roger Bannister, the four minute mile. When you talk about people already have the preconceived notions, you know, and he was the first person who who ran the four minute mile. Right. But he didn't have any preconceived notion that it wasn't possible. And then now that since he's done it, there's been, you know, hundreds, maybe thousands of other people who have now done a four minute mile. But in that beginning, no one had ever did it. But he just got in and he just 
took off and it was like, wait, no, that's not how it's supposed to go. And I think that's a, a amazing analogy of what you talk about when you say beginner's luck, because we never think about, you know, we get in, we learn a game, whether it's gambling, whether it's, you know, NFTs, whatever. And we're just like, OK, we're going to just try it out. But we have that hunger. We have that purity. We have that passion to just see if this can work. And it normally does. It's like our, our mindset, the universe conspires to open up for us uh, when we do that. So, again, phenomenal. Um, one question. I So I think this is a great transition and a segue for anybody who says, you know what? She did do this, though. How many ever years ago where our industries were different, right? It wasn't so saturated, just like you said. So for somebody who's looking to break in now, right? And they're looking, whether it be the art space or any type of a creator, right? They're a podcaster or whatever. Mm-hmm. How do they now break through that? Because just like you said, I mean, for me alone, we probably get a solid 15 to 20 guests um, that are requesting to be on our show uh, each week, right? Which is tough because we're also trying to find the biggest and brightest to, to, you know, so how does someone break through that? Look, um, you know, I just wrote a book and, uh, it's whole co- it's called how creativity rules the world. And, uh, it's published by HarperCollins, And I'm very excited because that's a book where I think that I have encapsulated the absolute best that I have learned in the past 13 years through the eyes of both artists and entrepreneurs in a lot of different areas. And what actually helps the most and I think is the most important skill for people to develop right now is creativity. And I'm not talking about painting on canvases or being able to compose music, right? I mean, that's that's obviously creativity. But what I mean by creativity in my book and my thoughts is your unique ability to have ideas of value that are relevant. Relevant means for right now, right? I mean, because like if the idea is too far in the future and people don't understand that it's going to be hard unless you are Steve Jobs and have that kind of team. And I believe people can be whatever they want to be. I'm not saying this lightly, right? And also the idea cannot be for yesterday because we move very fast and all of us are, you know, kind of like trying to catch up with this, you know, very high speed world that we live in. So why is so important to have creativity is because it allows you to stand out no matter what you do, whether you're an accountant or you're in a real estate broker, or if you are just, you know, a, a, an entrepreneur or you work in a company and you want to be an intrapreneur to gain more power, position, whatever, right? And so how do people stand out? How do people get noticed is by actually utilizing those abilities to come up with unique ideas of value. And so where do those ideas come from? Each one of us has a very different upbringing, a very different background, the studies that we have had, the schooling that we have had, the parents that we have had. And so all those experiences have actually informed our way of seeing the world. And the truth is that we don't know, right? Like, I don't, I don't know everything about everyone, right? Like, I mean, when somebody just, you know, just goes with emotion and, and doesn't really utilize the story, the, the part of them that makes them unique, I mean, you're just going to look ordinary if you think about it, right? I mean, but the truth is that even if people think, but I'm ordinary, 
we are all ordinary and extraordinary at the same time because we all have those stories to tell and we all have skills and we all and that's why i insist to people have to go with what they love and people have to go with what they actually believe is their gifts and talents i do not buy the story when people tell me i have no gifts i have no talents that's not true you don't have to play piano like beethoven you do not have to move like beyonce you know what i mean there are thousands and thousands of thousands of different things that people do where they can leverage and materialize those ideas to make money, to stand out, to break through, to be the best and brightest, right? And so that they don't fall in the same trap that I, I fell from when my parents told me that it was not for me to actually stand on a stage and sing in front of a crowd because that was not the right thing. And I believed it. I, I, and I ended up selling out and then, you know, I took a long detour and ended up doing something that, although it's not being on a stage, I am of service to the world. I am, you know, helping people discover artists. I'm helping those artists. I am, I, everything I do has a ripple effect, everything from an Instagram post, as I said before, to this conversation I'm having with you. And that's what I want people to actually understand that creativity is an amalgamation of skills too. It's not just a God-given thing which people actually get so confused about it and being creative is is having a desire to take some chances particularly on yourself right it's an ability to be authentic and to be able to translate the different stories into a business proposition or you know or or a service proposition or a product or you know whatever it is an ability to be empathetic if you don't know what your customers want you're never going to be able to provide it to them it's an ability to be to be autonomous right i mean how much have we lost of critical thinking of actually utilizing a variety of different perspectives to form our own i mean at the the algorithm fits us what we want to see because we already went and checked the news that we feel are the news that are compatible to our, you know. But what about the other side? I mean, could there be a nugget of enlightenment there? Potentially? I'm not sure, right? Like, so the thing is, um, we already have everything that we need to succeed. I understand there are certain challenges with, let's say, capital, or there could be challenges when as I said before, trying to shift careers and the amount of things that you see that are not going to happen for you because you don't have an experience in that business. And so I'm not minimizing the challenges. The challenges may be very well real, but also there has never been a better time to do great things because the world needs people with fresh ideas. The world needs people with adaptability of the mind and spirit. The world needs people who are willing to show their true colors and who they are in their, their true ideas. And since the pandemic hit, a lot of people have been quitting their jobs. A lot of people have been starting businesses there have been about 10 million filings of new businesses in the United States, according to the U.S. Census and the Small Business Administration, and that happened between 2020 and 2021. 10 million new businesses is not a joke. Imagine the amount of employment that can come out of that. Imagine the amount it, like that is actually what's going to restart our economy and hopefully placate this inflation that has been created because we need those businesses to succeed. We want them to thrive, right? And we want them to be able to stand out and to be creative. And that's why I wrote this book. I wrote this book with the intent of having 
giving people a blueprint that allows them not only to have confidence in themselves, but also to see things from a different perspective. If you see things from the same place where you've been seeing them, you're not going to get unstuck. I love it. I love it. So much wisdom through there. And yeah, when you say numbers like 10 million businesses, right, that and 10 million people that have, you know, uh, let go of their their jobs, it really just shows. And I would say I would echo the fact that now has never been a better time for you to be able to go after your passion, your dreams, right? Because, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, I don't care what age that you are, um, you didn't have the same opportunities that you have now. Right. Even when we talk about DeFi networks and cryptos and we're not going to go deep into all of that, but it's still just giving everybody the opportunity to get in on these things at the groundbreaking level. Because for so many years, for 50, 60, 70 years, we would hear about things after they had already blown up. Right. The, the information wasn't right there at our fingertips for the moment. And now with the, the emergence of Reddit's and Discord groups and everything else, when a new project's coming on, it's about you to be able to assess and have that discernment of if this is something that you want to take advantage of or not. But we're seeing opportunities at such a fast rate, you know, every single day that it's just on you to figure out where is your passion? What is that thing that you want to invest your time, your energy, your money into, and then stick with it, right? Because it will, so many things are blowing up because so many people are creating communities around it. And that's the the real thing. So I think that, again, you have so much knowledge um, that you've shared with us. Let me ask as we as we kind of, you know, look to wrap this up. Um, we've heard about all of your successes and we I know I look forward to digging more into your story and even having you on again, I think will be phenomenal conversation. But out of all the successes that you've had, if there was one thing that you wish that you would have implemented sooner to accelerate your path on your journey and your dream of where you are today, even though you're not finished, what would that one thing be? I think I would have been an early adopter of other things before they, like what? you know, I only came to Instagram when it was 2013. So it was two years after it had launched because the business, my business started in 2009. And even though like that's my greatest community and it's really big, I, you know, I have a, a large community um, build is, is my biggest social media network. If I would have started in 2011, when everybody told me, it, I would have capitalized on being an early adopter, right? And sometimes it's not that I'm not willing to take chances. It's just that as a, a, a very, you know, young and new business owner, I was like, I'm already overwhelmed with everything that I have to do, right? But I, this is the thing. Now I have taken off 50 other things. And every time I have to take a new thing, I'm like, oh my goodness, this is overwhelming. Yet I do it. What, what that tells me is that I have a capacity to actually absorb all these challenges and try to do the best that I can when I am on them. And um, because honestly, Casanova, the thing is, once you have a lot of, and listen, every business owner and everybody who's a freelancer too will understand that there are always ups and downs and that progress and success are not linear things. They have a lot of ups and downs and the curve is never like straight up. And if, if I were to tell you, I wish I would have done this earlier, I wouldn't have been ready to understand it. Right. And so that's why the, the, the early adoption of that, for example, something I was already doing and it was I was successful because of that. How come I didn't go and embrace Instagram early on when everybody was telling me that I had to do it because that was the thing of the artist and it was the thing of the future. And everybody was kind of like, you know, they were right. And I was thinking 
oh god no more you know what i mean and it was until a friend really convinced me and but i already had lost two years where i would have you know capitalized on the early you know adoption and i probably would have four times as much followers right and i and they but again things happen when they need to happen Absolutely. Yeah. And I think we can all um, understand that. And what I took away from that is even when you think that you've done all that you can do, you still have more in your tank. Right. And and we all do it. We've heard it from some of the biggest and brightest minds in the world. Right. David Goggins, people like that. Right. That he talks about. Even when you think you can't run anymore, you still probably have about another 40 percent in the tank. Right. It's always mind over matter. Uh, But you find a way you've already survived 100 percent of your bad days on the days that you thought that you couldn't give any more, but you've done it. You've taken a 20 minute nap and you came back re-energized. So again, phenomenal advice. This has been an amazing conversation. And like I said, I'm excited. I, I definitely want to get you back onto the show and, and, and learn more about the book and as well as what's next for you. And I guess we can even ask that right now. Obviously we have the book that's going to come out and we will make sure that we have the links in the show notes. Um, but talk to me about if you can look in the next three years, right, and and uh, you look um, you look back on this journey, what do you be doing in the next three years? What's next for your dream? You know, I feel that I have had very um, a success in in, uh, in the space of content creation. You know, I have done my own TV series for PBS. I have you know built a phenomenal newsletter, uh, weekly newsletter. I, I love, you know, creating content. And I think that's incredibly important because it's a lot of giving. And this is what I was telling you. That's like a spot where I like to, uh, you know, place myself in. So, um, I'm not sure if it's going to be in the form of consulting for other companies, which I also do, and they come and ask. I don't know if it's going to be a little bit more in the NFTs arena, where I also get offers and people asking me, and I still have not decided whether I want to pursue them or if I'm going to do it anytime soon, whether it is creating worlds in the metaverse that are important for artists and uh, for me and that give me fulfillment. So I'm not necessarily 100% sure which of these paths or maybe all of them I'll follow. Maybe I'll do more uh, streaming content uh, because I love, I mean, it's so challenging, honestly, to do TV because you have to be, you know, five hours there and whatnot to just like reduce all the filming for like, you know, 30, 40 minutes and you spend like three days of your life, right? Standing and doing things. So, but I am not going to shy away from all those things if they, if they are the right thing to do. I feel that my mission is a lot about educating people and helping people being a bridge to from where they are to where they want to go or, 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 or providing people entertainment and culture, but in a way that is elevated, in a way that is that really leaves something with you and not just for, you know, shock value or, you know, little fashion things of the moment. You know, those things don't interest me anymore. I think it's all about how do you really make a difference in people's lives by giving them information that empowers them, that cultivates them, that says, oh, I've never thought about this or wow this is so interesting i am you know i'm 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 very interested in that i have a, a tedx talk coming up in the university of mississippi and i'm very interested in seeing what the students are going to think about me and they're going to think about the talk so 
you know, um, that's kind of Anything. my sweet spot is is in, in that area. Cool. No, I love it. And we look forward to following your journey. Um, Again, this has been a phenomenal conversation. I want to be the first one to tell you today, if no one else has told you, thank you. And I really appreciate you. Um, again, it's so it's so fascinating, especially when I learn about new industries and and uh, I'm sure as I start to be able to jump more into the art space and learning about it, you'll be a trusted and connected resource for me. Um, we will make sure that we put all of the links again to your new book that's going to be published by Harper Collins, um, as well as um, any other projects that you have coming up in the show notes. But for anybody who wants to stay directly connected with you, you've already given a little bit of insight. But tell us, where can they find you at? You know, my website is mariabrito.com. That's B-R-I-T as in Tom O. And there are links to all my social media, you know, pages. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. And there is also a form for emails there that you can fill out if you want to just send me something. If you want to say hello, that you heard this and that you were excited. And I... For the most part, we try to answer everybody. So, you know. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So that's how you can connect with me, MariaBrito.com. Cool. Well, definitely. We'll put those links in the show notes. Um, but remember, Dream Nation, just as she said, you got to be willing to execute. You got to be willing to take action. That's how she started it out, talking about, you know, how much action she was willing to take. And if you have a dream, which I know you do because you're listening to this episode, or you're watching this right now. We all have a dream. You have to be willing to take action on that dream, because if you don't, that dream that you have will only merely be a fantasy. That's all for this one. We'll catch you on the next one. That's all we got for this episode. Thank you for sticking around. That truly means a lot to me. And hopefully that means that we delivered massive value on this one. If you haven't already, the way that you could say thank you to myself and the team is just by heading over to iTunes and leaving a review and a rating. That's what iTunes loves to see. That's how we get out there even more. And I would definitely, definitely be grateful for it. I know the team would as well. Do me a favor and head on over to dreamnationpodcast.com. That's where you're going to be able to find all of the resources that we talked about in today's episode, as well as more exclusive content. And you'll also be able to sign up to our email list where we have more exclusive content. And we always love to hear the feedback from you all because you're our tribe. So remember, in the dream we trust, we'll see you on the flip side. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.